0: through some things and you think, you know, there's no way that God could love me, there's no way that God could ever even want to be around me, there's no way that God could use me, and you may be exactly where Sam is this morning. In fact, for some of you, you think that your stains, that the choices that you've made, that... You are totally unacceptable to God forever. And we just heard Sam's story of how about her stains, about the stains that people have done to her, and the, and the stains that she chose herself. And so many times, just like her, you and I think there is no way, there's no way that a God could ever want to be with me. There's no way that a God could ever accept me. There's no way that a God could ever want to love me. And there's no way that a God could ever want to use me ever again. For some of you, you know, you come back and, you know, this is like your one Sunday back. And I want to say you are more than welcome to this place. This is a safe place. But you think, you know, the reason what keeps you away from God and keeps you away from the church is you have this mentality that the church is filled with perfect people. And that the church is filled with people who are clean and who have no stains. That the church and that God only loves people who have happy smiles and who look nice And that is what we're going to be talking about today because in this series called Stained, we've been realizing that all of us, all of us are stained. Either by choices that we have made or by the choices that people have made to us. And we have this weird mindset that God, that our stains are bigger than God. And that if God had to choose between a goody two-shoes or a person whose life is so jacked up, that He would never choose us. He would choose them. Today we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture, and actually passages of Scripture, a person in the Bible whom God loved hanging out with. And his name was Peter. Peter, Simon Peter, this this fellow Peter, amazingly enough, he was a fisherman. Now, when many of us, when we think of fishermen, we think of the rods and reels and putting a worm or a minnow on a hook or at least, you know, some type of, you know, whatever, you know, but this is not that type of fisherman. How many of y'all have seen Deadliest Catch? Okay, it's that type of fisherman. I mean, you have nets and you're throwing them in and the, the, the sea is stormy and it's dangerous. So he's out here. And he has been fishing all night, this guy by the name of Peter. He's been fishing all night, throwing these nets into the ocean, slapping it, hitting the top of the water, and it starts sinking. Then they start pulling it in. And every time they pull it in, it's too easy to pull in, and they know we don't have anything in that net. They're only catching, you know, like, um, you know, stuff like chariot wheels and stuff like that. They're not catching any fish. And they fish all night long and they come back in and they put their nets up on the shore and there's this guy, there's this preacher that people have heard about named Jesus and he's teaching and he's getting all of these followers around him and everybody's wanting to kind of come in and touch him and Jesus is getting right to the edge of the water. Because everybody's just wanting the peace and wanting to be close to Jesus. And after a while, he looks down and Jesus is, is kind of, he's ankle deep in water. Because everybody just keeps on getting closer and closer. So he, he whistles to Peter and he says, Hey Peter, can I borrow your boat? Can I get in your boat? And we kind of push off from store and that way I can kind of stand here and we can teach the people. And Peter's like, I ain't got nothing else better to do. I ain't got any fish to clean. So Peter does that. And Jesus finished teaching and he looks at Peter after he gets finished teaching, after he says, amen. You know, you know how preachers do, right? And he looks at Peter and he says, hey, listen, why don't you take that net, by the way, that's empty, and throw it on the other side of the boat. And Peter's like, dude, you know, okay, you're, you're a carpenter. I've heard the rumors, and you must not be a very good carpenter because you left carpentry and now you're a preacher, right? You're definitely not a fisherman, I'm sure is thinking, why don't you stick to what you know? But Peter, even though he may be thinking it, he doesn't say it. He goes, he shrugs and sighs. All righty, I'll do it. And he throws the net on the other side of the boat. And the net slaps the water. And he starts pulling in. And immediately, he almost gets pulled into the water. Because those nets are beginning to break. They're filled with so many fish. And Peter looks at Jesus and he says, you need to get away from me. I'm a messed up. I am a stained, I am a sinful person. And Jesus comes up to Peter and he says, you know what, it's okay. From now on, you may have been catching fish, but from now on, you're going to hang out with me and you're going to be catching men. And that one moment changed Peter's life. In fact, for the next three years, Peter is following Jesus. He's spending, I mean, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, following Jesus, Peter, and 11 other disciples. In fact, Peter, he becomes the leader of these 12 disciples. And and everybody is just kind of wanting a piece of Jesus, and he's seeing Jesus heal the blind and raise the dead and curing all kinds of diseases. And Peter is just amazed. And after a while, Peter doesn't think about fishing anymore because his priorities are changing. And for three years, he follows Jesus and he eavesdrop, He eavesdrops on Jesus talking to his heavenly Father and praying. And he's going, wow, Jesus, Jesus. He, he might be that one we've been waiting for. The one who's going to come and remove all of our stains. He might be the one. And three years pass and everything's going great and Jesus' popularity is soaring and all of these people are wanting to be around Peter and Andrew and Bartholomew and all these other disciples and Jesus. But then Jesus starts talking some weird stuff. He starts saying, you know what, I got to go. And the disciples are going, where you got to go? And then he starts... He starts saying, you know what, we've got to go to Jerusalem because I have to go and die. And they start scratching their head going, well, don't go to Jerusalem. I mean, they start start asking all of these questions and things start becoming uncertain. And things, it's almost like the rug is getting pulled out and Jesus' popularity is taking a nosedive. And they're hanging out with Jesus. And everybody's going, whoa. And Peter's like, you know what? This this is not turning out the way I thought it would be. And there's uncertainty there. Peter, they start going towards Jerusalem and Jesus keeps on talking about death. In fact, one time Peter confronts Jesus and says, why don't you just stop talking about this death? And then Jesus rebukes Peter and Jesus says, you really don't know the reason why I'm here. That if you want me to remove that stain, then I have to die. So they start heading towards Jerusalem. During this massive Passover celebration. Jerusalem, this small country town that only has about 20,000 people in it, for this week has swelled to over 300,000 people. I mean, there is no place to stay. Every Holiday Inn is full. In fact, there are people staying in caves on the countryside, just right across the walls from Jerusalem. And they're staying there, and they're staying in gardens, and they're staying all of this, and that's exactly where Jesus and the disciples, they don't even enter Jerusalem during the day, they enter it during the night, because people are wanting and talking about killing Jesus. And Judas, one of his disciples, is acting really strangely. And it's in that context, on a Thursday night, in this upper room, and we've all seen the pictures of the whole Last Supper thing, that Jesus sits down with his disciples and he breaks bread and he drinks wine and he says, you're going to do this in remembrance of me because I'm getting ready to die. And they start scratching their heads. What in the world? What's happening? Matthew 26, 31. On the way, Jesus told them, Tonight, all of you will... What is that next word? Desert me. Tonight, all of you will desert me, for the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. I mean, everybody starts talking among themselves, desert him? We're all going to leave him? In fact, that original language for that word for desert is scandalon That's the Greek word for it, and it's where we get our word. What does it sound like? Scandal. That's exactly right. Jesus is saying, guys, you're getting ready to make the biggest mistake of your life. You're getting ready to make the biggest bad choice of your life. You're getting ready to experience a scandal. And that doesn't sit well with the disciples, and it definitely doesn't sit well with Peter. And Peter says this in Matthew 26, Peter says, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never, what? Desert, I will never scandalize you. I mean, if everybody else scandalized you, I would never. Now, old Peter, old fisherman Peter, you know, that dude would have probably cussed you out and left. But I'm a changed man. I mean, I've been with you for three years and you know what? People aren't seeing my stains anymore. I've covered them up. I mean, I look good. I am a changed person. I mean, these other 11, you know, some of them, there's some messed up people like Matthew. He's some jacked up. I don't even know why you let him in. But I will never, ever scandalize you. I will never. I mean, think about it. How many of us have ever said that? Don't raise your hands. I mean... I'll never look at that website again. I will never take that next drink again. I won't call her again. I won't call him again. I won't send her or him that email letting him know when to rendezvous. rendezvous. I mean, how many of us have said, you know what, I'm not going to smoke pot again. I'm not going to shoot up again. I'm never going to do that. Here's the thing. All of us have been there. All of us have said, you know what, I'm never ever going to run to Ed again to my eating disorder. I will never. And that's exactly what Peter did. Jesus responds to Peter in verse 34 by saying this. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me how many? Three times that you even know me. Jesus makes three statements here. He says, Peter, you're going to deny me. Peter, you're going to deny me this very night. And Peter, you're going to scandalize me and deny me. Not once, not twice, but three times. And Peter says in verse 35, No, no. Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. I will never scandalize you. I will never desert you. I have changed too much. And listen to this, and all of the other disciples, what? Vowed the same. Peter is confident. There's no way I could do this. No way. Absolutely no way. You've got the wrong person. I have changed too much. I mean, you may think, you may be saying, Jesus, I'm going to be the next scandal in the headlines. That my stains are going to be in front of everybody. But you need to know you're wrong. Now, I want you to fast forward 20 verses. In just a couple of hours. Jesus has been arrested. In fact, it says this. Then Jesus was arrested. At that point, all the disciples, what is that next word? All of the disciples deserted him. All of the disciples deserted him, scandalized him and fled. And meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance. I mean, how many of us we have followed Jesus from a distance, right? I mean, I have been Peter so many times where you know what I you know I'll go to church maybe a couple times, three or four times, but I'm not going to get too serious about this. Yeah, I believe in Jesus and I believe in the Bible and this whole God thing. I totally believe that, but I don't want to get too close. You know, I truly believe that if Jesus had, if Peter had not followed Jesus from a distance, but if Peter had been right beside Jesus, then there's no way that Peter would have ever denied him. And you know what? The same is true in my life. When I don't get close to God, when I'm not close to Him, I have a tendency to do some really dumb and stupid things. And you know what? I'm not the only one. So do you. So do you. It says, then Jesus was arrested and He followed at a distance and Peter came to the high priest's courtyard He went in and sat with the guards and waited to see how this would all end. How what would all end? How all of these trials and all these accusations against Jesus. While Peter was sitting outside the courtyard, a servant girl came over to him and said, You are one of those who were with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later, out by the gate... Another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it. This time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. How many of y'all from the south? You got accents, right? Pete was as well. You must be with him. And Peter swore. Peter swore. He cussed. A curse be on me if I'm lying, he says. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter went away weeping bitterly. You know, after this, After Peter's scandal, his desertion, Jesus was killed. I mean, just a few hours later, Jesus is hanging on a cross. And he is dying. And Peter is nowhere to be found. In fact, the other disciples, nowhere to be found. They've all deserted him. And Jesus dies alone. Peter can never make it right again with Jesus because Jesus is dead. And he's thinking, I am a big, fat failure forever. My failures are final. I mean, think about this, y'all. What do you do when you just committed your biggest failure ever? And when those failures seem to define you, when those stains seem to mark you so much that everybody sees your failure, everybody sees your mess, what do you do when you can't cover up your stains? What do you do when everybody else sees everything that you've ever done and you're all messed up? What do you do? I can tell you what you do because it's exactly what Peter did. You go back to do what you were doing before. What did he used to do for a living? And you know exactly what he did? He went back to Galilee. And he got his nets. And he started fishing again. I mean, he went back home. He ran back home with his tail between his legs. And he gets to his hometown. And everybody's going, hey, Peter, what are you doing back? I thought you had hitched your you know, hitched your dreams to that, that Galilean dude, that preacher. And he just shakes his head with tears filling his eyes because his failure is final. His failure has defined him. What's amazing even though he's thinking his failure is final because he saw Jesus die on Friday. Sunday came. An empty tomb happened. And on Sunday morning, early, some of the women were coming to anoint Jesus' body because they didn't have enough time because of the whole Passover thing. So Sunday, they get back there. They're thinking, hey, by the way, there's a big... Big stone in front of the tomb, how are we gonna roll it over? Or I don't know. We'll ask some of the Roman guards who are guarding it. And they get to the tomb, and the guards are nowhere to be found. In fact, their big question, how are we gonna move that stone? The stone is already moved. And they duck in to this to this grave, this cave where they saw Jesus' body lay, and Jesus isn't there. His grave clothes are there, his coverings are there, and they look around and then they see this angel. And listen to what the angel says. The angel says this in Mark 16, verse 6. The angel said, Don't be alarmed. (laughs) Okay, you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here, he is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including who? Including Peter. Go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The angels are saying, listen, ladies, don't stay here. Go out, run. Tell all of his disciples, oh, and by the way, Tell Peter. Tell Peter. See, Peter, he thinks he's done. Peter thinks there's no way God could ever want to be around me. Peter is thinking there's no way God could ever use me. He thinks his life, his ministry, everything is over. Go tell Peter. Go tell Peter that Jesus is going to be coming to where he's at. He's going to be fishing. Jesus is coming. And that's exactly what they do. Fast forward, John 21, last verse. Last verses we're going to be looking at. John 21, it says this, verse 1. At dawn, Jesus was standing at the beach, and the disciples were out on the water. It says this. Later, Jesus appeared to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were beside the Sea of Galilee, including Simon Peter, some other folks, This fellow by the name of John, he was one of the two brothers, of sons of Zebedee. Simon Peter said what? I'm going fishing. I'm going to go fishing. What do y'all want to do? I'm tired of sitting around. I want to go fishing. And all the other disciples said, you know what? We ain't got nothing else to do. Come on, grab your nets. And they all said, so they went out into the boat, but they what? They caught what? Nothing all night. Hmm. Now, where did Jesus and Peter meet? By the water? And how was the circumstances? Peter had not caught anything all night. You remember that? At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellas, you caught any fish yet? No, they replied, they said. And this unknown stranger, who they don't know who it is, says this, Throw your net on the right-hand side of the boat. Then you'll get some. So the disciples did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. I mean, they threw out the nets. Slap, it hits the water. And they start pulling in. And John, he gets pulled in the water. They're thinking, dude, this must be Moby Dick, right? And Peter, Peter I mean, he's, I mean he is, he's pulling in the ropes and he's excited. He's excited. And John is wiping the sweat and the water off his eyes. He climbs back in the boat and he whispers, it's Jesus. And Peter, he, he doesn't hear John. He just, he's so excited about the catch. But John, even though Peter misses the entire message of this, John doesn't. It's like deja vu. You remember that time when three years ago we had fished all night, we didn't catch anything, and some dude told you to throw something on the other side of the boat? Peter goes, yeah. John repeats, it's Jesus. Peter's eyes get really big. In fact, it says this. I love this. Then the disciple that Jesus loved, his name was John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped from his work, and he jumped into the water. And he starts swimming to Jesus. In fact, if you keep on reading, it says they were about 100 yards out. I mean, this dude is swimming towards Jesus. Why? Because he's thinking, my failures, they're not final. My stains... My stain doesn't have to define me. He's thinking, and he dives into this sea of grace. And he comes out on the beach, and he's dripping wet. And Jesus is right there. Jesus takes him and grabs him in this big, great bear hug. And Peter's sobbing. Let me tell you what didn't happen Jesus didn't give Peter a lecture, it's not what the Bible says. Jesus didn't tell Peter, hey, I told you so. That's not what the Bible says. Let me tell you what the Bible says here. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish, verse 13. Verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. And a third time, a third time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? How many times did Peter deny Jesus? How many times did Jesus ask Peter, do you love me? It's almost like Jesus is telling Peter, listen, that mess in your life, that that hiccup that one night does not make you who you are. I still want to be around you. I still love you. Those stains have not turned me away from you. In fact, I love you even more because I died for you. And let me tell you, some of you are here this morning and you need to hear this because you you used to be close to God years ago. And God, you're thinking there's been too much water that's went under the bridge. There's been too much time that's passed. There's been too much stain that God would ever want to be around me, could ever use me. And let me tell you, you would be dead wrong. Because God loves you more now than He ever has before. And He is here not with a judgmental stare or glance or a big I told you so or a lecture. He is there with arms wide open. All you have to do is run to Him. All you have to do is turn and He will make your stains into a masterpiece. But you have to run and turn to Him just like Peter did. So if you're here this morning, I just want to give you a big fat dose of hope. Because God, He is not done with you. Even though you may run to all of this stuff and all of your stains and all of whatever, He still wants to make something beautiful from your life.